In today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I sit down with Bart and Mike from the band Mercy Me to talk about why it takes a village to raise our kids. Before we jump into that, though, I want to just give you a couple really important announcements, so bear with me for one minute. The first thing is, uh, this is the week of Easter. Hopefully, you guys had a great Easter this past week, and if you're just listening to this, um, if you go to dadtired.com forward slash Easter, you can actually get $30 off our family leadership program. Now, listen, we only let 30 guys in per month, and we always have more guys wanting to get in than we have spots. So if you listen to this right now, you have the likelihood of jumping in over there, dadtire.com forward slash Easter. You'll get $30 off your tuition, but we only have that for 30 spots. So if it's still open, if you click it and the link is working, that means you were one of the 30 guys that can get in. Uh, if it is not working, uh, unfortunately, you missed those 30 spots and you'll have to join the wait list for the next cohort. So if you want to jump in in our May cohort, again, we always have more guys coming in than we have spots. You can buy Buy a spot right now by going to dadtire.com forward slash Easter. You'll get $30 off and it's only for the first 30 guys who use that promo code. So make sure you jump on that right away. So many of the guys who are in the cohort this last month, when they do their introductions or when they did their introductions, they said, I've been hearing about this family leadership program for months and I've just been kind of putting it off. But finally, I realized like, man, I want to take my role as a husband, a father, and a disciple serious. I don't want to procrastinate any longer and I'm ready to dive in. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're, you're serious about it, but you've just been putting it off. And now you know God's been prompting your heart and now is the time. So go to dadtire.com forward slash Easter and you can jump into that right away. I also want to tell you that we have a couple conferences coming up. Now that COVID uh, restrictions are starting to let up a little bit, we're doing more and more conferences around the country. We'd love to see you at one of these. We have two coming up in the next couple of weeks in one in Georgetown, Texas, which is near Austin, one near Paragold, Arkansas. Uh, if you want to come to either of those, go to dadtire.com forward slash conferences, or you can actually just click the conferences tab on the Dad Tired website. We're going to be in a lot of places over the coming weeks and months, so make sure you check that out as well. Finally, this episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is made possible by two Dad Tired family members, like two guys who are part of the Dad Tired community who believe in what we're doing as a ministry and wanted to make sure that they supported this. Uh, super cool. One of them, Jordan Daniel, he's just a listener. He's a guy who found the podcast. He stumbled upon it. Uh, it just started to change his life, man. He started to take this stuff seriously, implement the things that he's learning, and it was a game changer for him. And so he just reached out and he said, hey, man, I live in Canada. I own a business and I just want to support you. I, how, I would love to sponsor an episode of the show so that we can keep doing more of these and more guys can be changed by the ministry. And so he just, as a business owner, uh, he owns a business called Optical Factory in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And he said, I'm not looking to like get tons of business or anything. I'm not like doing this for any, you, I, I, you don't need to do any big business shout outs. I just want to support you and make sure the dad tired ministry keeps moving forward, which I thought was, dude, so cool. So amazing. His life has been radically impacted by the Holy Spirit through the dad tired podcast, and he's just paying it forward. So Jordan, Daniel, thank you for making this episode possible so that the guys can listen. If you're in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, definitely look up him, Optical Factory, Jordan Daniel. Uh, he's there. And then also, Anthony Edwards is also a Dad Tired community member. And uh, he started a company or helped start a company called Faith Fit, which I told you about just a couple of weeks ago. I absolutely love what they're doing. Uh, if you're thinking about, man, I need to get this dad bod back in shape, but I don't want it to be all weird and get like focused around just my looks. Uh, I, I want to be able to just be healthy and take care of my body. They started something called Faith Fit or the Faith Fit app, which allows you to do daily workouts. You don't need to be 
like have all these equipment. You can just do it with your own body weight. And what's super cool is all of their workouts are directly tied to devotional. So you're in the scripture, you're getting closer to Jesus, you're meditating on the word of God while you're doing your workout, uh, which I just absolutely love. We actually talk about this in the family leadership program, waking up, being proactive, starting your morning, getting your body in the place that it needs to be at the same time, meditating on the things of God. So if you haven't already checked out the Faith Fit app, you definitely need to. It's a game changer for just your overall health. You can actually get 30 days free when you use the dad tired promo code. So you just go to faithfit.tv and then use the promo code dad tired, all one word, and they'll let you try it out for 30 days for free. So anyway, thank you dad tired listeners, man, for making these episodes possible. I love you guys. I love your generosity. And uh, all that being said, let's dive into the super fun episode with Mercy Me. Martin Mike from Mercy Me, so glad that you're hanging out with us today. For the audience who has been living under a rock for the last few decades and may not know about you, tell us who you are and what you're up to these days. Well, I'm Bart. I'm a Sagittarius. I like long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, no, I'm the lead singer of a band called Mercy Me, and Mike is first chair guitar. In Mercy uh, Me, no second chair. I'm right behind Barry. Though I'm working real hard at it. <laughs> you guys have been doing this a long time, man. Yeah, it's funny you told us like your demographic was it was a 20. 24 to 34 year old dads and we've been immersed for 27 years. So Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah, which we started when we were one. I'm only 20. Yeah. Right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> Prodigies. Yes. Straight out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, you've been doing music for decades, a lot longer than some of these guys have been. We've been trying to be a dad. Walk us through that journey. Like what has life been like living on the road doing shows for would you say 27 27 years, years yeah Dang, man. 94 yeah and, you don't even know like can you contrast like what normal <laughs> normal uh, we've life heard, is we've heard rumors yeah <laughs> we're actually honestly like we do the whole band thing and it's a blast but we're pretty normal outside of that one our job <laughs> doesn't seem normal Everything else. I mean, is, we're friends with accountants and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some of our best friends are just <laughs> mechanics and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think our lives are actually pretty boring from what a lot of people would assume. Yeah, and it's normal. Yeah. Normal is home. We love normal. Yeah. Tell me about your families. You're both dads? Uh, yes, I'm a new dad of five children. <laughs> and uh, yes, I've, I've uh, been married for a lot of years. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, no, I think we're going on 24 years coming up and, uh, and I have five kids, boy, girl, boy, girl, boy, Sam is 19, Gracie is 16, Charlie just turned 15, Sophie is 12, 12, 12, 12, and Miles just turned 10. And, um, and, uh, yeah. And so I think I got a letter in the mail that said I'm officially a dad. So I was pretty excited. I got a certificate. You can get the letter on the jacket, man. That's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. your real dadding at I'm, this point. I'm underachieving. I only have four. Ah. And, uh, <laughs> but he adopted. So yeah, yeah, we yeah. have. So we actually have been. We have biological adopted. Biological adopted. Ben wow. is 16. Millie's 15. Cam is 12. And Eli is eight. What and was your heart behind adoption? My wife and I just both had do just things that are hard. Yeah. It's like, how can we make our family like in a difficult manner? No, we just always had a heart for it. And I don't know why, like neither of us grew up with an adoption story or we're really close to one at all. 
And it was just something that God just put on us. Even when we were just dating, we were talking about how we thought it'd be beautiful to build your family in a way that was a little non-traditional and, uh, and blending them like in order to where it's like, nobody feels like they're out of place or they were an afterthought or anything like that. And uh, yeah, it just, it kind of worked out. It's pretty amazing that they're adopted kids. If you had to pick, you would most likely pick that those look like them. Well, Cam is like my mini me, but but yeah. Millie and even Eli's curly yeah. hair. It's- yeah. Oh, people, Eli. So Eli's biracial and he's got this incredible curly hair. Well, my wife is incredibly Caucasian, but still has really curly hair. And people say all the time, they're like, oh, he got your hair. And she's like, mm-hmm. sure. yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And don't yeah. start a podcast called Incredibly Caucasian. It probably that would. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work in 2021. What's cool about Mike, too, is that it's like. It's insane to watch. He went to Kazakhstan where he adopted Millie. And then it's like, now that we just got that figured out, let's adopt domestically in West Texas. It was like, yeah. even the processes are not even close. Yeah. In a, no, it yeah. like completely like Millie, we had very little information about and mm. actually until recently. And then with Eli, like we actually had to get to have a relationship with his birth mom and still do. And so, oh, cool. yeah, very different scenarios, but still both beautiful and broken and all, all of the things. One of the things we talk a lot about in the dad tired community is like stepping into kingdom adventures with your family as a dad, leading your family into kingdom adventures. We talk about how a lot of times guys, frankly, just get bored and bored men are dangerous men whenever we're just kind of like sitting around, you know, so we find ourselves doing dumb stuff when we're just bored. And so trying to encourage guys, all right, what does it look like for you to lead your family into adventure for the sake of God's glory? And some of that in that conversation, we, we talk about fostering and adoption that comes up a lot, just kind of as a natural progression of the conversation, I guess, maybe what advice would you have for a guy? It's like, maybe I've got the foster thing on my heart or adoption thing on my heart and I'm absolutely terrified. And maybe that's a one day thing, but like, how can I lead my family into that? What would you give advice? It's what advice? It's not a one day thing. You will stay terrified. <laughs> um, and then when you actually get them and everything, all the paperwork's done, you will still be terrified because you're parenting. And it's just hard, scary work. And, but the payoff is huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah. It's taking a big leap and enjoying the ride. How does that affected your marriage? She left 10 years. (laughs) She's like, I am out. (laughs) This is your thing, man. You see her. Man, you know, it's marriage. It's awesome and cruel and all of, again, all of the things, you know, it's the hardest thing in the world and the most revealing about yourself and the most, amazing thing in the world to have somebody who is there with you, like on the team, no matter what. And so, yeah, it's amazing. We it's just, we, I've always described parenting as you're at a circus and they put chains in the doors where you can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> and then they it's, give you the burden. Yeah. It's, made, <laughs> you it's chaos, up. but yeah. it's like, it's, a, it's, it's a little entertaining and yeah, you're right. It's hard. Yeah. It's, it's gratifying. It's irony at its finest, you know, yeah. it's and hard at the same time. Bart, did I hear your son sang on this last album? Is that did I make that up, or is that true? Yeah, Sam, my oldest, who's nineteen. Uh, yeah, he wrote a song and showed it to me, and, and then he wrote it for some company that was trying to get some songs on American Idol, and they're going to pay him like a flat fee of a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, Nah, dude, this song's actually good. And mm. the label and the guys heard it, they're like, Man, we should put it on the album. And not only will your son actually make a little bit of money which is great for me because then he could move out one day. Uh, (laughs) But also, and he has an amazing voice, but when I finally convinced him, it was that weird conversation when the label said, man, you guys should record this to where I was like, oh, great. So I had to go and go, okay, daddy loves your song. Now daddy wants your song is what it felt like I was doing. 
while I was singing the demo, just to show the guys, my voice was shot. And so I just said, Sam, just finish the song for me. It'll be fine. They'll get the gist of it. And then they were the label, the band, they were like, man, Sam should stay on it. It's really, really good. And, and so that was like a, that was a super proud dad moment. Like not only just that he gets to do it, but that I'm surrounded by guys that, cause I would never like, I'm so nervous about being that guy. that's like, Hey, put him on here that I'm usually actually opposed to it. Most of the time, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be like, nah, let's not do it. And they'll, once they convince me, it's like, ah, oh, this is amazing. It was such a cool moment. And, and, and it turned out great. It's a great song and he's killing it and it's what he wants to do. And so it's, it's when a most 19 year old or teenagers are, you know, going, you know, whatever dad, you know, doesn't listen to me. That's just one place to where there's like a mutual respect of him trying to pull it off and him knowing that I've been there. I was at that age and I really wanted to do it and stuff. And he still listens and it's, it's a really cool relationship. And from the outside, I think it's awesome. Like the way Sam's obviously has a gift and a talent for it. We've watched it grow. Like I, I literally taught him how to restring a guitar and now he's, mm. he's killing it. He's really, really becoming a solid musician and songwriter, but like, being able to watch him pursue it, but not like riding his dad's coattails. Like he's, he seems to be really like chasing his own sound and his own songs and his own way of writing. And Mm. and it's been really cool. Like he's not like shunning anything. It's just, there's a a respect and an honor, but it's like, I'm going to cut my own path through this. And I think it's been really cool to see how Bart and Shannon have like really fostered that and nurtured a, yeah. A way for him to be able to do that. Yeah, we let him like a uh, our manager kind of push and let him sing it like a a song at some of our bigger shows like Red Rock sold out stuff. He was like, <laughs> "Hey man, let him come out and sing a song." And and we we've let him and and he's got the bug. And there's a couple labels that have asked wanted to sign him. And and up until he's 18, I just wouldn't let him. And he was mm. like, "Why won't you let me do it?" I was like, "Look, dude." I was like, when you sign and you get on that stage, people expect you to know what you're, what you're going to say or have something to say. Mm. I was like, man, and if you're not there yet, you're going to hate Jesus in five years. Mm. So I was like, just enjoy, love music, enjoy it. There's plenty of time. It will become a job and be a bigger challenge. So just keep doing what you're doing. And he never fought it. He was like, okay, you know, and, and that's what he's doing. And and it's none of our band kids stand a chance. They have like five dads. And so, and it's funny because then they all speak into it. And if there's something that Sam won't hear from me, he'll hear it from Mike or Barry or whoever. And sometimes I know that and I'm like, just skip me, go talk to Mike or whatever. And he'll be yeah, I mean, you got more skin in the game here than I do with kids further down the road than I've got. I've got young kids. How much of that is, as you found to be so valuable to have other people, especially other men, speaking oh, into your kids' it, lives? It, it's it's priceless. priceless. Yeah, absolutely. Totally absolutely. Yeah, just knowing like our front of house guy was here with us at the cabin this last week. We've been doing some filming and stuff, and he's a car guy. I am not a car guy. My 16-year-old is like head first into it. Like he could tear apart an engine, knows everything he can know. Mm. And he came up here and he's just sitting with Rick for like an hour, just talking cars, mm. which mm. is, seems like a small thing, but it's a huge thing. Cause it's something I can't give him, but I know I can trust Rick yeah. to pour into him. Even in that little car thing, he can also pour into him with other wisdom and any of our kids, it's the same thing. And like, I mean, our kids are together all the time. I think Ben's spending the night at your house tonight. So sorry. Oh, great. But um, yeah, like it's invaluable to know that there's a safe place, that there's another like-minded adult parent friend that yeah. that loves your kid and wants to pour into him. I was going to say a friend of mine, his son, when he graduated high school, 
the night before graduation, he put him on this kind of scavenger hunt and he had to go all over town and find these things. And everywhere he went was one of the men that was a part of his life throughout mm-hmm. his life, like Sunday school teacher wow. and to, and it was a rusty different yeah, story. And, and everywhere he went, I think there were 10 men that when they got there, they told him, they told this young man, the man that they see and prayed over and what he's going to do. And man, I remember him telling me like, Oh, this is the most beautiful thing ever. I'm going to do the same thing. And then COVID hit. And so we were able to get a lot of friends just to celebrate Sam's graduation in an open field. But it was like, uh, I just thought that was so beautiful to, man, I don't think we do it enough. I don't think that we instill that we are fortunate to kind of, it's naturally there because we're always together, but man, the wisdom that, a friend of mine always called it the the father of the bride syndrome or whatever. If you ever saw that movie, there's a scene where Steve Martin tells his daughter, it's cold outside, get a jacket. And she's like, whatever. And then the fiance comes down and says, man, you need a jacket. She's like, oh, you're right. I'll get a jacket. And sometimes your kids are going to hear things that you've been telling them over and over, but from someone else. And just sometimes they're just going to, and we get that. And, and so I think it's, there's so much value in, then having the right men, especially speak into these young men's lives and, and what matters in our daughters too, man. I don't think we lean on the wisdom of people that have gone before us enough. Like I feel like when I was a kid, there was that. And now I feel like either I've become the old person in church or we've run them all off. I don't know what happened. Well, and I think it's it's easy when (laughs) when you're like in the trenches with young kids, it's hard to make it to bedtime, let alone plan out, man, I really need to make sure that that I'm investing in this way or that whatever. And so having those other friends who can come alongside who it's like, I'm exhausted with my kids, but Bart might not be exhausted with my kids. And he's going to, he's going to see the good where maybe I'm a little like, I just wish you would pick the dadgum towels up off the floor just once, you know, and and he's not seeing that. He's not dealing with that vice versa. And so, yeah, it's just priceless. Yeah. I had a friend come stay with us for a couple of days. And at the end of it, he just like looked me in the eyes like, dude, you got some good kids, man. You're doing a good job. And I just got all choked up, you know, because oh, yeah. the whole time I was just like, you know, put the stuff away, clean up, get yeah. to, you know, I'm just like in that mode of chaos and to have somebody objectively look and be like, dude, you're, you're doing a yeah. good job, man. And yeah. and watch him kind of what you guys are saying, parent. I think that the, what I take away from that as a younger dad is you got to surround yourself with some good dudes like some quality guys. And this is why it's so important. One, I think a lot of dudes, either one, we're just like picking our friends randomly, or we don't really have a ton of friends as we get older. And so that's not a high priority for us, but it should be if we want to really create that good village. And then two is just thinking through like, all right, I got to find guys around me who are going to speak into my kids' lives, which means I can't isolate myself. I want to come home. I've been working hard. I got, I'm busy. I got all kinds of stuff, but this is another reason we got to be in community, even for our kids' sake. Sometimes selfishly, I'm like, ah, I don't really want to be around people. I'm tired, you know, but for my kids sake, I need to be so I have quality dudes and women, you know, like men and women who are around my kids helping shepherd them. But, you know, my friend, John Mark Comer, he does it. I think he does it when he's kid. I think he did this when his son turned 13, but similar to what you described, Bart, where it's like he brings all these men and it's like a full 24 hour event and they're going to different places and it's these men speaking life over and it's like, here's who God has made you to be. Here's who I see God's made you to be. Here's the kind of man you are. You know, it's just kind of this like coming of age thing, which is pretty cool. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We got a lot more to come on the back half. Just want to remind you again, if you want to jump into our family leadership program, you're ready to stop procrastinating. You want $30 off. You want to skip the wait list and just jump right in. We'd love to have you. You can go to dadtire.com forward slash Easter. If that link is working, that means there's still spots open. If it's not working, that means all the spots have been filled. We'd love to have you part of it, man. If you're serious about this, come join us, dadtire.com forward slash Easter. That being said, let's jump back in. Man, the best advice I was ever given when we were about to have Sam, our first, was somebody said, man, if you're worried about being a good parent or not, you're probably a pretty good parent. Right. Like, yeah. you're not going to get it all right, but it's the the ones that scare me the most are the ones that just don't seem to care at all or just like have that flat line, like, no, yeah. I stress, everybody stresses about their first kid of like, I'm going to break him. There's no question. It's going to go wrong. For my wife and myself, that was the best advice we could hear. It was almost like we could just like exhale for a second and like, okay, okay. It's the marathon, not the sprint. And um, it is great. Like, you know, our guys, somebody will say, man, your kids are amazing. And you're like, oh yeah, I was too close to this. And, you know, why are they jerks at home or whatever it is? It's like, it's always good to hear. And it is very emotional when, when somebody says that. You've been on the road for like decades playing music and then all of a sudden COVID hit. That's probably the first time in a long time that you've actually been home so much. How is that like, how did that impact your guys' family dynamic for the first time being home that much after being on the road so much? I would say it's the first time ever. Like we all were in the band when we got married. I mean, Bart was the first to get married and we weren't we were, we were really busy back then, uh, probably busier than we are now. But yeah, it, it's by far the absolute, like, has never happened before. And yeah, we've never taken the year off. That's for sure. Yeah, and are, yeah. are forced to. Forced to, I think, was the hardest part for me, like, to be able to shift gears. And I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have. You know, I think it was a lot of internal panic and like, ah, this is not what I planned. And yeah. I became a little self-centered jerk there for a minute, which my wife pointed out and helped me get through. <laughs> yeah, that. yeah, they're good at that. Yeah, it was definitely, there were a lot of silver linings in it. And it was that it was, man, I I got time to sit here and play 18 games of memory in a row with my eight-year-old and he's going to crush me because he's really smart. Yeah, it it was a hard season for sure, but there were definitely some silver linings. Did you find more of those like discipleship moments because you're just like stuck to like Bart, you were saying your son really wanted to get signed and you're like, Hey man, you know, that's good. You're like had a little discipleship moment with him, which I imagine you've had millions of these over the years, but like. Did you find more of those? Were they deeper? Were they a little bit more rich because you just had it forced you to slow down? Yeah, the whole thing, like I enjoyed it almost too much. Like I had to keep telling myself, man, this is there's some tragic things going on and, you know, in the world. And because for me, like once I got acclimated to I'm going to be home for a while and realize that the most important thing I'm going to do today is figure out what ice cream I'm eating with my 10 year old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I was like, all right, let's see, you know, it's never going to happen again. And, and, Every once in a while, my wife is really good about like literally setting down and kind of doing a Bible study. I'm not great at it, but I, I really enjoy like if something comes up and there's like a teachable moment or whatever. One of the coolest ones during this time was um, we somehow got in the conversation about being spirit led and just like and I think it was there was like a homeless guy on the corner and the uh, it had a stoplight or something. And and one day I think I gave him some money or something like that. And then a few days later, he's still there. And I didn't the next day. And my kids were like, wait, he's there. Are you going to do it? And I was like, man, I didn't feel led to do that today. And they were like, what is that mm-hmm. supposed to mean? And I was like, well, I, and I, so I tried to explain it in younger terms, but 
I was like, man, I said, it's dangerous either way. I said, if Hebrews talks about harden your heart to the spirit, and sometimes we may kind of feel that tug to say, give the guy money and we ignore it. And I said, I think we're missing out on this cool blessing and this kind of moment in our life that, you know, it doesn't make us not saved or anything, but it's like, oh, I should. And then I said, then sometimes we get in the habit of just like, we're supposed to do this over and over to where it's not that it's spirit led. It's almost like it becomes a duty and like, it becomes superstitious. Like that's not a great place to be either. And so it's like some days you're going to feel led to do this. And so in that, I was telling about like my wife and I had this kind of goofy thing that we do. Like if we're listening, if we're at a fundraiser or we hear somebody's story and they're trying to raise money, 95% of the time I'll look at her and it's like, you will both let me know we got to give. And we'll almost every time have the same amount in mind. And we kind of, we laugh about it and uh, yeah, we're right. And I was telling my kids this and they're like, really? I was like, yeah. And my wife's like, yeah, it's true. It's a little uncanny. And, and so we were in a place where we really felt led. There was, we, we had like people that were losing their jobs and we were been blessed to not have to struggle with that right now. And, and so I was like, man, we should, I'm going to bring you guys in on this. Like we need to help somebody. And so they picked our, our Dave, the barber, our, the guy that cuts our boy's hair, who has six kids, one kid's with downs. Another one has, a, he's just, just a lot on his plate. And all he does is has one barber chair. His wife stays at home and he tries to make it and charges not enough. And so I was like, all right, David is. And I was like, so, you know, he was taking appointments and well, I couldn't find him at first. And then months later when they kind of opened up, he was taking appointments. I said, guys, let's try it. And so I was like, how much? And I'll never forget. Like, I think it was my 11 year old uh, Sophie or somebody, you know, she was like, like, it was something like $1,500. I was like, whoa. And I was like, and then Shani goes, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I was like, all right, man, it's good. We're for real. All right. And so. Did you guys really pray? I mean, make sure you pray and make sure this is from God. Yeah. So I was like, let's do it, man. And so I remember going and he's a very proud man and he wouldn't have taken it. And so I went in and the way the restrictions were here, if, if you get your haircut, you go in one at a time and then someone else, the rules at the time were someone else had to exchange the money. He couldn't deal with. So he had his daughter in the hallway doing the transactions, really weird deal. And so I'm sitting there with an envelope of cash and I'd get my haircuts and the boys and I just walked up to her and I said, I would like to buy, you know, whatever, 50 haircuts in advance, please. She was like, do what? And I just gave her the money and left. And she was like, what? what? And I just had to get out of there. And then he, he called me later. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going to need a lot of haircuts, man. These boys are growing like crazy. And he was started laughing and he was like, okay, how do you want to set it up? Gift cards? I was like, Dave, I'm still paying for the stupid haircuts. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not buying them in advance. You're just not giving the money back. And just tears in his eyes because you don't understand, man. It's like, you know, and, and I kind of, I couldn't even imagine what he was going through. And we had other opportunities to where I was like, all right, you know, and where my kids are like, can we do it again? Can I play Fortnite? Can we do this again? Can we find yeah. somebody else? I'm like, of course we can. Yeah. And so it was really cool to see them kind of catch on to that lesson and get really excited about like going to bed, going, who can we call tomorrow kind of stuff. And that's so cool, man. That's the kind of stuff I was talking with you about, Mike, about the adoption thing is like, how do we invite our families into that adventure and and give them a taste that like, dude, isn't that so much more fun than that dumb video game that you just oh, like conquered? Uh, right. Like, uh, isn't there, there's the so much of giving is addictive. Yeah. I mean, totally, totally. Yeah, and you you teach that your kids that young, and just teach them to be just benevolent and kind and generous. It changes their lives for sure. Did you guys were your dads around when you were growing up? I had an abusive relationship, and I lived with my dad from about seventh grade on. My parents divorced when I was three, and she remarried and lived in another town. 
And so I was in a bad situation until my freshman year in high school, he got cancer and was sick for about five years and his life completely transformed to where he passed away my freshman year in college. Hmm. And during that, that kind of season, I, I kind of witnessed the dad that I always wanted and, yeah. and uh, wow. went from this monster to like literally my best friend when he passed away. So yeah, I kind of got a little bit of both, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and wow. for me, my, my mom and dad are still married. My dad was, I, I never felt unloved. I think that he worked constantly and never was like the dad to throw the baseball in the backyard. But like his way of showing me that he loved me was like, I'm going to provide for you. We're going to have, you know, food on the table. And, and we kind of worked through some of that as I got older and I left the house, I could really see him all of a sudden have the regrets that, that I have today with my kids. Like, Oh man, I really should have spent yeah. more time today or whatever, or this week or whatever. And I saw that in him that he really had regrets and we talked about it and it's been awesome. Like my dad is a, he's just solid. Like he's unchanging <laughs> in all good and bad ways, but yeah, like, just steady. Yeah, he's yeah. steady. Yeah. And, and he taught me a lot just about integrity and just, you know, mm. being a man of your word and all those things. So, yeah, man, a few years ago, I was at a, I started going to this kind of men's group that from through my church and, and it was right when I moved to Nashville from Dallas and I remember they were making this movie that I can only imagine movie. And I was in, I went to this thing and they were talking about dads, their relationship with their dads. And I, I don't know if it's arrogant. I thought they were bringing it up because of this movie that was being made. I was like, oh, really? And and so they were asking, like, man, what is your relationship with your dad like? And I thought, well, I'm going to nail I'm going to win this one because I just had a horrible childhood. And and it was like the, I remember Barry Zito, the pitcher. There was these guys there that were talking. And so I went through and told my story. And and then like Barry Zito was talking about how his dad still to this day, his best friend, the greatest man on the planet. And it was like the most perfect childhood you could imagine, you know, went to every game to where he's MVP of major, all that stuff. But then at the end of it, he was like, yeah, because I was talking about how I had to go through therapy and process and unpack this stuff and learn to forgive a lot of things. And then Barry's over here, which I'm going, there it is, perfect one, you know, and he was like, yeah. And I had to go through therapy to get out of the shadow of my dad and figure out who I am and not struggle with just, is he proud? And I was like, hold up. I was like, either way, if we don't figure out who we are aside from that and yeah. as a man and as a father, different routes, same therapy yeah, <laughs> is what it yeah. feels like. And it's funny because I never, I was so self-centered on my thing that I didn't realize, I never realized that it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, ultimately what we want is for our dad to see us, to make him proud, but also to somehow figure out to be our own man, our own father to our kids and to, I mean, literally one day stand eye to eye with your father where he can say, I'm proud of you. And it's like man to man. And I was like, man, I thought I was the only one. And apparently all of us have that in us. Yeah. I was thinking about that as you were talking about your son wanting the record label and like, but he's doing, Mike, you're saying he's like, he's finding his own sound. He's doing his own thing. And he's like, he's, he's taking the foundation of what you built and he's like branching off of it. And the picture I had was like, we're building that foundation as dads, but we want you to build a new house on it. Like this isn't our house. You're not moving into our house. You're not taking over our house. You're, you're building a new house on the foundation we laid. And I think that's what you just described there. And you're, I always tell guys like, regardless of what you're doing, our kids are all, all of our kids are still ended up in a counselor's office. Right. Right. (laughs) He told that story when it happened. And and I remember thinking like, man, it was actually kind of freeing for me to recognize like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to screw my kids up. Like there's no question. I'm going to cause them issues in life. 
And like the thing that fixed both of those things was like, even as broken as the relationship with Bart and his dad was early on, like those last five years, like Bart knew his dad loved him. Yeah. You know, he knows his dad loves him. And I think that, man, that we're going to mess up as dads, but like, just letting your kid know, man, I love you, buddy. Like, I know you're, I'm take that you can't get the wet towels off the floor, but <laughs> yeah. I still love you. And I'm going to pick them up with you. And we're going to talk about it every day until you get it right. And yeah. just know you're there. I think is like, that's game changing. It's huge. It's, we need more guys just to be there. I mean, if more guys just were there, that would, things would change, right? That's a huge deal. So, but yeah, I mean, and I think pointing them back to the better father, that's what I always try to do. I'm like, daddy's not God. Daddy sucks at being God. I can't meet all your needs. I can't do it. Like there's a better father than daddy and just trying to point them back to Christ, which is, you know, way better than daddy could ever do. I wish I could talk to you guys all day. I feel like I'm in your cabin, wherever you guys are. I'm looking around your room. I'm like, yes, I feel like right. I'm sitting there yeah. on that leather couch hanging out, but you guys are about to get on the road again. As we wrap up here, tell people where they can come see you and what you guys are up to over the next few months. Yeah, man, we've been about a year and since we've done any shows and we're, we're kind of easing out there. We're playing a bunch of, um, minor league baseball stadiums. Well, I say a bunch, that's the process. I think there's four or six that have been announced and the, and then daily we keep adding them as the stadiums who are understaffed or getting to where they can do shows, stuff like that. So the best thing is to go to mercyme.org and just scroll to the bottom and dates keep getting added and hopefully we'll be somewhere. Yeah. Every state's different. All the rules are different. So it's been a process. And so it's once we get it figured out, then we'll list the city and we're hoping to keep adding them all through the summer. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, you guys, I mean, you've, you've always put on a great show. I'm sure that's going to be a great show. I, I was, we were talking earlier, you got my friend, Micah Tyler is part of that, uh, yep. those shows. He's been on our podcast before too. So our listeners can take the family out, enjoy some good shows and some baseball and hopefully a little bit sense of normalcy. Normal, yeah. normal, normal. That's a hard yeah. word to say. Yes. Normalcy. <laughs> yes. what is that word? Part of feeling normal. Post COVID <laughs> normal life. Yeah. We'd like to get back to pre COVID. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Thank you guys for hanging out, man. This has been super fun. I appreciate you guys giving us a little bit yeah. of your time. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.